0: Welcome to the House Pop Break, Pop Break's official Game of Thrones podcast. Hot takes, spicy memes, and fan dissected by the staff of Pop Break, hosted by Bill Bodkin, he's usually drunk, he's usually drunk. This will be the most fun you have a Game of Thrones. Hello, lords and ladies. Welcome to the House Pop Break, the second episode of our weekly Season 8 Game of Thrones podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Some may say I am the Tyrion Lannister of the site because, well, at least I pretend to know things. I tend to be wrong, and as on-brand as I usually am, a drink in my hand. I am joined by two people this week. They were not the people you heard last week. No, we're going to have two new guests every single week. I am first joined by the uh, Sansa Stark of ThePopBreak.com, a longtime companion and compatriot of mine, and a new-ish addition to ThePopBreak.com. Her name is Jen Nanai. Say hello, Jen.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, good. Your internet didn't drop out. And I'm also joined by the man, the myth, the legend. Some would call him the Jon Snow of this podcast, and the Jon Snow of the site he is a virtuous man coming to us from the cornfields of Iowa if they have cornfields out there I don't know makes sense um, his name is Josh Sarnecki you may have seen him from our last um, sorry our season 7 podcast we did uh, two years ago he did a great editorial called why we watch Game of Thrones and he did the premiere episode reviews. So that was the last review before my season my episode 2 review say hello Josh Hey, everybody. And that was like the most gracious intro I've ever received. Oh, I know. I got to be nice to you sometimes. I mean, you're going to, you're <laughs> going to, you're going to, you always make me look good when I'm on a podcast with you. And Jen will do the same as well. Um, so, as I like to start off uh, these podcasts, since there's only one, so since I start off the last one the same way, before we get into the episode, I, I, I like to see uh, what your guys' relationship with Game of Thrones is. You know, when you guys first got into it. And, and how it kind of ranks within the pantheon of your television life. So, of course, ladies first. Uh, Jen, why don't you start us off?
1: Thank you. Um, I am actually a very latecomer to Game of Thrones. I didn't start watching it until fall of 2017. What? And I was able to watch all seven seasons in about five weeks. Um,
0: so, what, which, so what was the delay?
1: The delay, I had seen a few. A few episodes on television as roommates would be watching them or friends, and they were always very violent and uh, a little rapey, and that's not really my thing. And yeah, so, that's so
0: well, man, well, you jumped well, well, in on those wrong up, episodes.
1: Yeah, they were not they were not easy to watch. But uh, what ended up allowing me to watch it was I could watch it on my phone and I could watch it or on my computer so I could skip some of the scary parts or just feel not as overwhelmed. I know a lot of people don't watch Game of Thrones because it is so violent. Mm. So I try to get fellow squeamish people into it. Um, by letting them know that I, you know, I kind of have to skip over some of the scary stuff, but I absolutely fell in love with the characters, the plots, um, the suspense, everything that everyone else loves about it. And it's totally worth it. So I watched it very quickly. Then I had to wait, obviously, over a year for this season to premiere. And this is the first time I've ever watched Game of Thrones without being able to skip to the next episode. So that's been a bit of a struggle.
0: But so far, not too many scary parts spoilers yeah. next week's gonna destroy you <laughs>
1: uh, I, um, I, I bought one of those cheesy game of thrones bottles of wine for the first episode and i didn't crack it open but i think i'm gonna need it next week so you're gonna uh, need that
0: uh, entire bottle I'm of wine i'm gonna need it all to <laughs>
1: myself um so yeah and i mean i put the, the as far as where i would put this up in my television viewing it's at least it's probably right behind The Wire. Um, we'll see how the entire series wraps up, but those are probably my two favorite shows of all time, and I know they're both HBO. So,
0: oh, The um. Wire, so good, um, yeah. and of course, some Wire alum did end up in Game of Thrones, particularly Littlefinger mm-hmm. um, and Josh. I mean, you've written about Game of Thrones a lot, but I've never gotten your history with this with the show.
2: Yeah, I, I was actually a bit of a latecomer, like Jen. I. Didn't get on board until last season was actually the first one I watched live. Um, Just because before that, I was determined to read the books before I watched it. Uh, Just being a little stubborn there. So I I read the books, um, I guess my first year of grad school, and then once got through that, I was like, okay, now I can deep dive into the show. And since then, uh, it's definitely been one of my favorite shows. It's definitely better quality than some of the uh, CW superhero shows I've reviewed over the years. So, God and designated survivor, right? Yeah, that I couldn't even get to season two after that. So,
0: oh man, <laughs> but uh, I will be uh, will be coming to your some of your expertise, and which is good because actually, Matt Gilbert, not Taylor Gilbert, um, as I wrongly named him multiple times last week. Uh, he also read the book, so it's always good to have someone who's read the book on the on the. Uh, on the show, so we could just get that um, kind of more literary perspective on how the show is taking, uh, how the creators of the show are taking the series. So let's jump right into episode two. First off, let's let's get you guys thoughts on episode one. Uh, you had a well, Josh, you had a two year wait. Jen, you had a one year wait. So Josh, I'll start with you. Um, how did you feel about episode one, real quick, and what were your expectations going into episode two?
2: Yeah. So I mean, a lot of my th- Thoughts everyone could find in the, the review I wrote for the first episode. But uh, generally, I thought it was a good um, intro back into the world after what seemed like an eternity of waiting between seasons. I mean, two uh, years
0: is an insanely long time between seasons and for any show.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, so that was such a, a, a long way, especially – I mean, we podcasted right after the season seven finale, and it's like, okay, there's a freaking zombie dragon, I want to see more, and now I have to wait. Uh, So that was brutal. But um, the first episode of this season, uh, you know, it was a lot of table setting, a lot of uh, reunions is something I talked a lot about in my review, but I thought that was appropriate, and it really gave us a, a feel for the stakes and getting everyone in place so that an episode like this could really take place
0: and what would you, what was your expectations leading into this episode that we're going to be talking about
2: um i thought there might be more action than there ended up being just because the first episode was so light on uh that kind of dramatic violence that jen i know you said you're not always a fan of uh but you know i didn't expect it to be you know a huge battle of Blackwater battle as much as just maybe a few fight scenes. So I ended up being uh, pretty happy with what ended up happening in this episode, but we'll talk more
0: about that later. And Jen, what was your thoughts about the premiere episode and uh, your expectations leading up to episode two?
1: Yeah, I felt the same way. I was pretty happy with episode one, and I think the one thing you know you 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 saw the reunions we have a sense of who who is where who's doing what but of course the scene with uh lord umber on the wall that Mm. just lets you know that like okay we're actually at a whole other level of problems than we even thought when we saw that dead dragon at the end of season seven so um that for me was kind of like it was a table set and then some uh to let us know that there's even more of this coming and then going into episode two, I agree. I thought there'd be a little bit more action, um, but uh, i still really happy with just how... They're making us care about everybody in this episode. <laughs> everyone, the villagers, everyone who's at Winterfell, caring about Winterfell itself. Um, you can tell we're kind of set up for it, so...
0: I kind of... <laughs> I, I guess I kind of—I ex- mean, my thoughts are in a ninety-minute drunken ramble on uh, episode one, but uh, of this podcast. But you know, I, I really liked what they did with episode one, kind of reminding us of all these storylines, reminding us of these interpersonal relationships that no one ex- that these characters weren't even expecting, like Daenerys and Sam, like oh, by the way, killed your brother and father. And that uh, oh, yeah. sets off the chain a reaction of, well, John, guess what? I got a story for you because I'm mad. And then, like, you know, so it's, <laughs> I'm telling it so, like, bluntly. But it, it's basically, <laughs> like, we're forgetting, like, all these layers and all these connections of people killing people. And, you know, the, the, the history behind everything that's been developed over seven seasons is now coming to fruition. Um, and going into episode two, I kind of expected... How it ended with them being like, oh, here comes the battle. I, what I didn't expect is kind of what I said in the, um, the my review, which I reviewed episode two, is, um, you know, kind of the World War II type uh, moments, uh, movie moments of, you know, leading up to... Uh, you know, we've got minus the harmonica in the background, we you know, we're we're talking about the fates of everybody, and who who do you think is going to die? Who's not going to die? And people talk, giving these speeches about life and death in the future. I don't think I was expecting the episode that we got, but I definitely wasn't expecting any battles. I was expecting it to end with Tyrion staring, like we saw in the trailer. Tyrion staring out. We cut out to um, the army of the dead, and dun 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 episode three that's when shit goes down so let's get into the episode itself one of the first big scenes we had the first dramatic scenes we had was jamie coming to winterfell which we saw at the end of episode one but then we had him like pretty quickly uh in front of the court uh with Daenerys and everyone kind of putting him on trial, kind of giving him his uh, verbal lashing and determining his fate. Um, gentlemen, I'll start with you. What did you think of this scene with Jamie? Um, and also like the character of Daenerys too, because a lot of, there's a lot of people who don't like, I think we even talked about this earlier today. A lot of people not liking the direction of the Net Daenerys character right now and her attitude towards literally everyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she, this was an interesting scene. I think as far as the question about Daenerys as a character, she does feel a little bit all over the place right now. She's never been particularly diplomatic and yet we're seeing a lot of this sweet side to her. And yet she's also ruthless at the same time. And it's not quite adding up for me, but I mean, I, I still love Amelia Clark. I think she does a fantastic job of conveying really complex emotion but I thought that the best part of this scene was obviously the play between Sansa and Daenerys. Um, and Sansa sort of starting off on the same page, agreeing that Jamie is has no value here and is really just a threat. Um, and obviously Brand of Charts stepping up and and changing that. And I think that's where we can see that Sansa has a lot more there. We're in Sansa's territory. This is her home. This is where her friends are, everyone who is here is there because of her. And so even though Daenerys is the queen, they are sitting right next to each other. And I think they did that intentionally to just show us and keep reminding us that um, this is going to be an important competitive relationship going forward. Um, So I thought it was an interesting scene. I thought it happened a little quickly. Like suddenly Brienne stood up that was suddenly Sansa felt differently and then they they kind of changed it so that was a bit odd but again they're trying to fit so much into these episodes to kind of get into the action and then the best part was when at the end they asked John what he thought and he really didn't have any much of an opinion he just said we could use more people Um, again just underscoring that these two women are really driving a lot of the decision making and the power and the planning behind what's going on.
2: Josh? Well first of all I think that Bran was obviously the most useful character there, right? Just just say a nice, you know, mm. worthless comment towards Jamie. <laughs> I don't understand what Bran is doing in half the scenes he's in, um, <laughs> especially in this one. He's like, I'm the three-eyed raven.
0: Okay. Yeah. We said that last week. And if they, if, if, like the, in the documentary that comes out the week after the series, if he, the actor comes out and says, listen, I was just stoned off my ass during most of those scenes, I would have been like, I get it now. I get it.
2: Yeah, but I I guess I was hoping a little bit more from that just because there was that tense ending of Brand and Jamie staring at each other last week. But given that Brand cares about nothing anymore, it wasn't surprising. Uh, but I I definitely think it was a good tense interaction between all of our our main players. I I agree that it did move quickly. If this was a a season like three situation where. If you think back to, like, when Tyrion was in jail, like, that took forever. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this is like, okay, trial, over. Um, but given that we're really moving ahead with things, that felt appropriate. And I think that... I, I understand the the concern with Daenerys' storyline, but really, like, this is, like, where she's been leading to, like, this whole series. Mm-hmm. And so for her to f- actually be, like... One, we've been waiting for her to, to meet all these characters... But I never even thought of how she'd react when meeting Jamie. I never thought they'd be having a chance to potentially be on the same side. So the fact that they are, I think, is a really good source of that dramatic tension. And for Brienne to come in and step in, um, I thought was amazing. Just showing how much that she and Jamie have come. And uh, Jamie even talks about that later saying, or, or Brienne talks about that saying, well, you haven't said anything mean about me since you've gone here. Uh, so I think that was really one of the, the awesome things that they did in this first scene. And then throughout the episode, it was just showing how far these characters have come.
0: And, yeah. I, I think there's like a criticism and a, a compliment for the writers of the, the episode because literally these guys could just go to HBO and say, we're going to make a 95-minute episode. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. It, I mean, Last week's episode was the highest rated HBO episode in history of mm. all of HBO. Um with almost with a seventeen point four or seventeen point five rating. Um and it smashed every every episode that HBO's ever produced in terms of ratings. So I mean, I feel like they have carte blanche where they could have made this scene a little juicier, a little longer I think, like like I said, they, they could have made that scene a little juicier, given a little meat on the bones to it. Uh, there's a lot with Jamie and a lot with all these characters they could have gotten into more of. However, I guess given what else happens in the episode, that means a little bit more than people just giving a tongue lashing to Jaime um, but I think one of the characters that gets a little lost in this, sh- in this conversation I think a little bit, not not our conversation but in general, is the role of Tyrion in all this because once again he's proven wrong he's wrong yeah. again and I and um, <laughs> we lost Jen no I'm here oh you're here, okay, I'm sorry I just didn't see your thing there. All right. Sorry about that. Um, No, we, uh, it's like Tyrion, like he's wrong again, which I think leads to an amazing, a great moment where she's, he's basically like, okay, Jorah or Varys, you guys are going to take my spot because obviously I'm going to be replaced. But at the same time, Jorah has this moment where he's like, no, Tyrion's the right guy for the job. And I think that's one thing that they... This, I, I guess that's my one criticism about the writing of this. is like, I don't think we figured out what Tyrion is really within this new dynamic of this new kingdom. And I, I, it's very interesting to see where they're going to go with him because it's just a lot of Tyrion being wrong about his family. Yeah, and we're so
2: used to Tyrion being the smartest one in the room and now he's continuously being outsmarted by Cersei.
0: Yeah, and so he looks like a fool in front of the Tanares, So... I don't know what's going to happen with that. So it, it's and it,
1: something in me doesn't trust that story. I The only reason I, ha, I, I, I don't trust why Jamie is there and I don't know why we couldn't see the entire conversation that Tyrion had with Cersei. Something. Do you know what I mean? It leads me to believe that he is lying or not sharing something he knows. And the same may be true for Jamie. I mean, hopefully Bran would know that if he could tell that Jamie was coming north but um, I guess I, I something doesn't quite pass the smell test with, with even when you were talking about with Jamie on the field with Brienne acting a little bit differently I know he's changed but something isn't quite adding up
0: because he seems too good now
1: too good too, too little of an explanation of why and how he's there and this again the same with Tyrion the fact that that entire conversation was not ever part of the dialogue tells us there's something there they must be hiding and I mean look Maybe Game of Thrones has made me more paranoid than I should be, but there's a there's just a piece that I can't quite uh, figure out right in that those two.
0: Hmm. Josh, what do you think mm-hmm.
2: about that? Yeah, I mean, for for Jamie, he does do some things that are a little questionable in this. Because as soon as he he gets there and he's alone with Tyrion, he immediately starts questioning Daenerys. So Yes, we know he's there primarily because he wants to keep the vow to fight for the living. What? But he's not Team Daenerys by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. Yeah. So that could definitely lead to some conflict, even if it's not... I mean, Daenerys is smart enough to, to watch her back. And I don't think Jamie's going to get uh, close enough to become Queenslayer on top of Kingslayer. But it's, mm-hmm. th- there's definitely some room for, for drama still, which is a shame because... I don't know. I I want to believe in Jamie and and think that he's become, not necessarily a paragon of virtue, but uh, a better person. And that scene with him and him that scene with him knighting Brienne was just so powerful. For him to do a heel turn would kill me.
0: Yeah, I have a hard. Yeah, I think it's the Brienne thing and, and it's the Bran thing too. When he went and apologized to Bran, like if Jamie was really gonna do a heel turn, like. I, I don't I don't think he would have done that, but Jen, I see your point like there's something there, there's this something. little thing like they know something that they're not letting out of the bag yet,
1: mm-hmm. And I think you got, you make a really good point about the apology to Bran. I do think that is genuine as far as, uh, Brienne goes, I think he's in love with her. So I don't think she can't, just like he was in love with Cersei and made all sorts of weird decisions. I, I put the knighting as kind of in a bubble away from whatever his real motivations are. I think he's always going to do right by her, but, um, he just seems conflicted right now. And I, I, he doesn't seem like he's really clear and he knows he's there. He's, he's there's something going on under the surface. I
0: do not want him stealing Brianna away from Tormund because I am record that I want that rom-com spinoff and I want it to last for 10 years. But we will get to that ginger god later. Um, One of the other things um, I I think I talked about was, and, and Jen, you mentioned about the paranoia of Game of Thrones. We saw a lot, and I mean a lot, of... I skipped one thing I want to talk about, but I'll come back to it. We saw a lot of characters we haven't seen too much time with, like Gilly or Missendei and, and uh, Grey Worm, where they got these moments together. Talking about the future and talking about you know, what they want to do with the war and all that stuff, do we... Do we think everyone's just gonna die, or is this, or is this like talk about like how you thought like these seeing these characters like Davos, like Gilly, like Mancey, like you know these these side characters do you know interacting in the town? Oh. Like how does this like how did that make you feel throughout the episode? Am I am I just paranoid, or is it like that you think they did a good job of putting everything into question, uh, Jen?
1: I completely agree. I don't think that's paranoia at all. I think sh- having a montage with a song and everyone having these moments together, Arya losing her virginity.
0: Oh, we'll get into that. And it
1: closes with the, the White Walkers overlooking Winterfell. I think that was a very clear message um, to remind us that these are people that we have cared deeply about them for a very long time. And um, it's not a bright future josh
2: i totally agree with what you described it as in your review that it definitely felt like a a pre-war um moments of well we're probably gonna die and i think we don't even have to to be paranoid all the characters are already saying they're gonna die (laughs) as soon as the white walkers get there so it's it's pretty clear that the stakes are higher than they've ever been the only reason i feel like it's a little misleading and they're kind of leaning on that paranoia purposely is that we, we have six seasons in this or yeah, six, six episodes in this season. And this is only the third coming up. So we still have to have a few more episodes left. So not everyone can die in this next one. So I, I come from it from a purely logistical standpoint. You, are you right?
1: Yeah, I don't think everyone will die, but they're getting us ready to be sad. No matter who dies.
0: What do we think about the uh, the scene I had skipped over in my head was uh, the, another great moment in this a series of great moments. Excuse me, is the at the behest of Jorah, Daenerys is sent. You know, walks to into the. I guess I'll just say the library, and is talking. It talks with Sansa. She reveals her uh, true emotions about Jon. And then the question comes: Well, what about Winterfell? You know, luckily something pops up, and they can't answer that question. But let's talk about this scene, this power play between, or this power conversation between two very powerful women. Uh, how do, let's talk about this scene, how we thought about it, and what do we, what do we think is going to happen with the North? Like, yeah, we'll play a little devil's advocate. Josh, we'll start with you. I think that. One of the most interesting things about
2: this scene is that Daenerys has always been so used to being the most powerful woman in any situation. So to have another woman who's in many senses her equal really brings a fun dynamic to it. Because as much as Sansa is like, okay, she'll show the queen, she's not going to put up with anything Daenerys says. So that really gives it a lot of really awesome tension. But at the same time, there's a lot of tender moments the the thing that I guess I wasn't sure about was the the admission of love for John it seemed a little out of the blue just we, we know that Daenerys and John have been I guess dating or hooking up or whatever They've their been relationship statuses. intimate yeah yeah it's complicated on Facebook but
0: I don't know. Um, that was. I just dated back. myself with that reference. Wow. You, you d- um, <laughs> I date myself every day by talking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah, so for her to say that, I felt was one, potentially giving us a solution of, oh, it's okay that the North can be autonomous in a way because Daenerys and John are going to rule together and we're not going to have a problem. But also it was setting up well, Daenerys is going to find out soon enough that Jon is a Targaryen and that's going to kind of really make things complicated in their relationship. Jen. So, there was just a few things that confused me about that scene. Sure,
1: Jen. Yeah, that was a, there was a lot in that scene and I I loved it. I love all their scenes together and in, in the scene we talked about with Jamie, Sansa reminded me a lot of her father Ned and in this scene you see a lot of Littlefinger and Cersei's influence on her. I think she I think she's playing the conversation as best she can for what's important for her. Um, and I thought that came through really well. Um, it's an interesting point, Josh, about Daenerys confessing her love for Jon. I think that was fairly genuine. Daenerys does kind of love to just get straight to the point, but um, the the interruption, oh, it would have been great to see what Daenerys could have said um, about the North. It, would, the look on her face really said it all. She wants the Iron Throne and she wants the entire kingdom to be hers. And really anything less than that, she's not going to accept.
0: So it's funny, Jenny, you said she, she reminds you of Cersei and Littlefinger, where I almost got a sense of Catelyn uh, from it because this fierce Mm -hmm. loyalty to the North, that Mm. nothing matters but the North, which was kind of Catelyn's, her, her drumbeat to, into her, you know, to Rob's head, you know, the North, you know, we must rule, we must, we must be autonomous, we must be separate and independent from the Iron Throne. Um, And I thought that's where she really showed the fierceness of her her mom, who was very unflinching in Mm. in her determination. Uh, But I definitely see what you're talking about with, you know, the, you know, trying to weave the conversation. I think, I think they both were kind of, Trying to put on the you know the honey in the ear a little bit and a little bit a little bit of a fake smile, but I think what brought them together, which is I think kind of important, was their mutual love of John, is that you know, for very for very different reasons you know, and. Uh, I really don't think, and this, this is going to lead into my next question. It was like I, I, you're, I think Jen, you're right. I don't think she, she wants everything in Westeros. Like she's like, this is this realm is mine. But then we go into closing off the Daenerys uh, sto- cap for this episode, the storyline for this episode was we're in the crypt, and we'll get to other parts of the crypt later. Where John's like, guess what? Uh, got something to tell you. I'm your nephew. And uh, he tells her the story. One of the, I felt one of the interesting things... I'll get you guys' opinion on this is... Daenerys says to him... The only people who told you this... Are your best friend and your brother. Doesn't that strike you odd? So... Did that fact... Strike you odd? And Jen will start with you. And make you question... No. that His lineage... And what do you think is going to happen? Let's project out like we just did with Sansa and Daenerys. What do you think uh, John in the Iron Throne is, and what do we think John and you know Daenerys now thinks of John? It's a lot of questions. Sorry,
1: but what I think I do, it doesn't strike me odd that it were, was Bran and Samwell that had this information. They are the closest we have to the wise and the learned. And they are some of his closest advisors. And we know he picks people he trusts. It just so happens these two are his closest, you know, that he will trust the most. But obviously that's been set up so that Daenerys doesn't trust it. And it does create a tension. And it does create a distrust. And like you said earlier, I think they intentionally had him upset when he told Jon to even bring that into question. All of this has been so well put together. Uh, But I absolutely trust the information that they have. I think it's true. I think it's real. And I think that as far as the Iron Throne goes, we know that Jon doesn't care about the Iron Throne. He doesn't want that power. He doesn't need it. And so anything that comes of this is simply Daenerys being very upset and feeling threatened. And we see that on her face as the horns blow and we know that it's time to go into battle. And my immediate thought was she's either going to kill him or let him die. I think she, she can switch and turn on a dime once she feels threatened. That's interesting. Um, let this go.
0: Before I get to Josh, that's interesting because you are not the first person to say Daenerys is going to just be like, you know what? John can die. Do we, what, why do you think that is? Why do we, why are we uh, so many people convinced that Daenerys who just, 20 minutes before admitted she loved John something she didn't admit about Dario who she had a relationship with. Uh, I mean, something she talked about with with, she loved Khal Drogo, but she was forced into that marriage. This is like her first, like free willing entry into a relationship that she goes to a next level with a guy. Uh, you really think she could turn on a dime like that and be like, "I do, fuck, I'm going. I
1: do." I think. Look at the only two men she has fallen in love with have been instrumental in her getting to the Iron Throne. She fell in love with. She forced. She she had to manipulate the situation with Khal Drogo mm-hmm. to her advantage. Ended up with that army and that title, and then. With John, why did she not fall in love with her lover before that? He wasn't going to get her to the Iron Throne. John was someone she could fall in love with because he had the resources and the things that she needed. So for her, I think it's all one and the same. I don't think it's a pure love, innocent love, you know, let's run away and get married. It is all tied to what she has been working for her entire life, which is to get back the Iron Throne for her family. So, and other people that might be confusing for them with this new information, but she's just so laser focused on this one goal. It, I just don't see that confusion for her. I do think she would. I just don't. I think it would absolutely jeopardize how much she would look out for him.
2: Josh, Uh, Bill, I actually want to bring up a point that you mentioned with her and Dario. So, if I'm going to look back to the books, uh, there's actually a moment in the books where. Daenerys says to herself, if Dario asked her to give up her quest for the throne, she would, but she knows that he would never ask it. Um, That being said, I think Daenerys is so different now, where she is in the show right now, than she, I guess, ever really was in the book from that, um, that there's nothing that would keep her away from her goal. So I, I agree with you totally, Jen, that Daenerys has become dead set on this goal so much that I I can't see her accepting anything less of it. And lucky for her, John is really, you know, somewhat ambivalent to the, the throne itself. The thing that really seems to affect him more than anything was the fact that Ned didn't tell him the whole truth. And just the fact that, well, this is awkward. I, I love how John is so mopey in this episode and how much he avoids Daenerys? It's like, okay, council over. I gotta go. Sorry, guys. Like he, he does such a good job avoiding her. Um, and so, like any times, like his friends comes like, hey guys, I need a distraction because my girlfriend and I are having some trouble. Um, <laughs> we have so,
1: to
0: be related. I'm gonna go break
2: dance on the roof. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, classic John. I'm just gonna go hang on the Crips and just stoically wait for her to come. So it. <laughs> I think that if Daenerys was able to see that John doesn't really care about the throne, that would be one possible resolution for this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Daenerys is almost paranoid about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I agree with, with Jen that. I,
0: I really see her letting John die. But but in, but in terms of the story though, like she lets John die, so we're gonna got we got heel versus heel. Like if we're going for wrestling uh, terminology here. Sorry if I'm talking over everybody's head. Is uh, it, you know we're gonna have Cersei if if the living beat the dead. We're gonna have Cersei versus Daenerys, and they're both bad guys. I can't see that. Uh, oh. sorry, I. Sorry, I wouldn't say that. That would necessarily make Daenerys a bad guy. I just think I mean, she just let the the number one babyface in the show, outside of like Sam and like Tormund, die. I mean, that's yeah, but, pretty that's pretty bad.
2: Yeah, but let's let's think of John. The only thing he loves more than being righteous is self sacrifice. He will clearly jump on a grenade for anyone just because he feels like he needs to live up to his not real dad's uh noble stature. So you know, I think John would be more than happy to die for Daenerys and Darren's be like, yeah, sure, go for it.
1: Right. John is so focused on the army of the dead. He just has such different motivations than Cersei. It it would it almost seems more natural now that you outline it, Bill, that it would be Daenerys versus Cersei. Um is how I would see it. it's yeah i just think she would let him go he's just another casualty on the path to her goal
0: and and because of him her dragon did die and was turned against her um my alternate theory here was i don't know if i told one of you guys this or not was john doesn't die and he and daenerys you know they end up defeating cersei in the end and um he says uh, uh make you a deal winterfell is independent we we're allied with you but we sansa rules the north i just fade off into the distance i go run the night's watch because you know as much as he does care for daenerys you know ygritte was his you know this is true love probably and i uh, i don't know if he's ever gotten over her and he just mm. goes th- he just goes to the wall And he runs it, (laughs) and he lets Sansa run Winterfell. I mean, that's a very happy ending. The
1: Wall once they kill the Army of the Dead.
0: Yeah, but the Night's Watch is still. I mean, (laughs) yeah. At that point, John's like, "All right, guys, what are we doing?" Take it a step
1: further. I think it's going to be. I think whoever is left is going to be in a showdown with Sansa. It could be Cersei, Sansa. It could be Daenerys, Sansa. But she, she, I, I think she's going to be one of the last men standing here. Oh, Maybe um, so 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 the nurse will die in the next episode, but that's yeah. my guess.
2: And she really is the one most equipped to roll because, mm. like you said, Jim, she has all these influences of all these people that have really instilled in her the importance of being ruthless, but also being a good ruler and prioritizing your own people. So if anyone could roll, it would be Sansa.
0: I mean she's been she's been in West she's been in King's Landing. She's been in Winterfell. She was with the Boltons or whatever they were. And she's always been in a role of power. She's seen power abused. She's seen power done right. So, yeah, I guess so.
1: And she knows Cersei far better than Daenerys does.
0: Absolutely. And Tyrion. She knows him better than Tyrion. Yeah, Tyrion is her husband still.
1: And Arya, who will probably become even more instrumental. They're kind of keeping her in the background for now. Well, let's
0: talk about Arya. Let's talk about little Arya Stark, who... You know, she, um, her and Gendry, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to, uh, come to fruition and boy, did it ever, you know, finish my weapon, throw a, throw a knife. Let's make out. Um, I, you know, maybe it's the dad in me. And maybe this is, you know, uh, oh, if it's,
1: it's,
0: but when I, I was immediately when that scene started happening and she started disrobing, I'm like, I can't look, I can't look, I just can't. She's still, a, she's still a kid because I've, you know, I understand she's a grown woman, but to me, you know, just projecting like up, she's no good for her. You do your thing. I'm just going to look over here. Let me know when it's done. Because it's just like when they were going for the full reveal, I'm like, I, I don't feel comfortable with this because. We've seen her as a little girl. She's been everyone's little sister, and now you're seeing this scene. Conversely, for me, I look at that scene as a this was an awesome scene for Arya because it is a scene where she's really lacked human connection in a lot of ways. She's always kept someone, everyone, at arm's length, and this time, even though she says, "For you know, I just want to experience this for one time." It, she picks gendry for a reason because she does care for him and there is a bond there that they had and the, earlier in the series and i really love that about her character because she was a character you know a few seasons ago especially when she was training with the faceless man and was just, they weren't writing her right it was it was getting a little repetitive and i love these last two seasons how they keep evolving this character and uh, I just loved that whole, you know, you know, that little, you know, romantic moment there because it spoke more, less about the romance and more about Arya as a person and about feeling and hopefully not a foreshadowing because now she has feelings she's going to die. But um, yeah, that's what I thought about that scene. So, Jen, I'll go with you first. What did you think of the Arya Gendry moment?
1: I thought it was fine. I thought. It's funny when it's, there's all this controversy online about it was empowering. It was disempowering. Um, It was a terrible example. It was a great example. I thought she could have been fine either way. We could tell from the, one of the only things I've ever predicted correctly was this. (laughs) So I'm personally proud of myself, but I thought it was great. I, like you said, like, yes, he's someone she trusts. He's also hot good for her. I mean, he was um, rowing yeah. a boat
0: for, like, a, a decade, <laughs> so, I mean, he's got guns for days.
1: Right, exactly. What more could you want? And I also <laughs> did appreciate, you know, she's was just seeming somewhat underwhelmed afterward, which was kind of funny. Yes, But, um, all in all, it was a good scene to show that human side of her and, and her... It shows you that she's been aware of what's happened to her. She's had to be shut down in some ways, but I think she... Um has kept a part of herself alive Um, and that was a good thing so it was just it wasn't a long scene but I I was happy to see that she was able to have that Um, and I think sex was kind of just an allegory for that relationship and that friendship and just showing us that that part of her is still there
0: question one question though was it I thought it was disappointment too but I just was questioning the her look was it Worry about what's coming or do you think it was just disappointment playing for the joke
1: I think it was a little bit of both I think the point wasn't that it was sex and it was amazing and so it was worthwhile it was just this is a human moment for her and so it was almost like neutral if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. Um, and of course every a lot of women can look at it and (laughs) kind of chuckle Uh, so I think it was a little bit of both
0: Josh I
2: I see where you're coming from Um, and and i i want to believe that there's that human part of Arya left but i i kind of going back to the laser focus to daenerys if anyone is more single-minded than her i'd I'd say it would be Arya, just because of her her lists and how dead set she is on finishing her mission it it just felt a bit out of character um in my opinion just because not that she's robotic but that it's it's not something that she's ever really seemed interested in and that but i i I am not gonna like write it off as like well you know she shouldn't have done that no like i think it was a good character moment for her it just it just felt a little out of place for me
0: but did it It oh sorry go ahead
1: it did surprise me i would say that um because she is a like you said, she just does have this persona and perhaps there was a strategic reason why she did it. That isn't if She's giving him this excuse of why and when, but there was something else to it. And I don't know what quite what that is.
0: Could it, could it have been like, I go back to, could it have been out of fear out of, uh, you know, I might not make it out of this. Could that have been why it was so out of character? Because it was like we said, we saw Jamie do something really, um, kind for Brienne, and that was a bit out of character for him. Um, could this been an out of character moment because of this isn't men? She's fighting. She's fighting the dead. She's fighting an enemy she's never fought before that doesn't die. Like yeah, no that that's a good point. Um,
2: I mean, when faced with death, you know what what is something that's going to make Arya feel alive and. Arguably, this is the closest thing she could find. Um, I, I think that that's a that's a good point. Uh, the the only thing I would say is that I, I this had the feeling of a one night stand. I don't think there's going to be I, not to disappoint the shippers, but I don't see Arya ending up with Gendry long term. Oh goddamn, pal!
0: <laughs> no, I would. No, I it was
1: her best choice given the moment. Yeah, I mean, but it is interesting because she normally is so focused, and it's not a very focused thing to do. So I can definitely hear that it seems a bit out of place. So maybe we'll have a better explanation. For it to just be a one-off would be odd. We have to come back to it at some point. There has to have been um, a reason there because there are everyone else had these sort of touching moments. Why was that hers? Now that you know there, it wasn't that touching. Uh, so. Unless it was just poorly written, which I would find difficult to believe.
0: Now let's go to the MVP of the episode, or one of the MVPs of the episode. The man, the myth, the legend, torment giant Bane, giving mm-hmm. us all the laughs, all the jokes. Um, I have to say that camp, well, basically campfire scene, for lack of a better uh, word, which we you've seen in war movies constantly, is was absolutely I to me it was the moment of the episode for me. Like the scenes of the episode that made it. Seeing some of my favorite characters like Davos, like Tormund, seeing the knighting of Brienne, uh singing the song. There was there was like moments of, you know, gallows humor from, from Tyrion and real moments of human emotion, especially when Brienne was knighted and the genuine joy that was you saw on the faces of of t- both Torment and Tyrion were the first two people to stand up and clap and, and make this happen um it's moments like this in Game of Thrones that I, I it makes me love this show because this easily could be a point A to point B sword fight you know kill kill the kill the dead or just like the harrowing drama of it but instead they played it they played the drama well and they did they had a lot of jokes involved in there um I we'll start with you. What, do you. what did you think of this, these scenes? What was the moment of all these little vignettes, like different people having their moments that was your personal favorite?
1: Um, I, of course, Tormund's lines were absolutely my favorite. I felt it's, it's funny. <laughs> I felt some of these scenes were a little uncomfortable and forced yeah some were really great. It was obvious they were trying to use this as sort of like the the anchor to all these other scenes mm-hmm. happening throughout winterfell,
0: yeah like the hound uh, and barrack well, and, and and what's and, that like the hound and barrack and aria that was kind of like a throwaway. That was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, that happened but yeah I see right exactly
1: you had to check that box um but I uh, know the his story you he starts talking to you thinking and where is he going with this and i'm i I, <laughs> I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then when Podrick started singing, it just reminded me of, do you know, in the end of the Titanic, when the mom is telling the little kids, the story of the land of Tirnanog, and as she's telling them this tale, that's when they're montaging through everyone in their final moments. That's basically what that reminded me of. So, um, no Tormund story. I loved it it's absolutely hilarious.
0: And that will be one of the few times you'll Titanic in Game of Thrones compared and right here. <laughs> In the house pop break. Um, what about you, Josh?
2: Well, first of all, uh, I want, i need to find the, the name of that actor who plays Padre, Daniel Portman. He's got a lovely voice. He's, he does. He nailed that. Um, and for me, that that reminded me more of in uh, Return of the King when Pippin singing to Lord Denethor, and they're th- th- showing it over the battle. Oh wow! Um, yeah, you're right. But I, you know, he he definitely stole that last part in. I've seen a, not to get too off topic, I've seen a lot of interesting um, articles online talking about that song and significance to the rest of
0: the series. I was going to ask uh, you that because I wasn't sure if that was in the books or not.
2: So the first verse was, and then they made up the rest, but not to go too much in the details, It's the the song is about a... Uh, the wife of an old uh, Targaryen uh, prince who ended up abdicating the throne so that he could be with her, a commoner and people are saying, well, does this mean that, uh, you know, is this somehow tying into John and Daenerys' relationship? Um, Is this, you know, something else? So uh, I thought that was interesting, but just overall, just beautiful song. Um, But without a doubt, uh, everything with Tormund was gold. I think he stole every single scene he was in. Just from the moment he got to Winterfell when John is running up to go hug Ed and Tormund comes barreling out of nowhere, I was cracking up so hard. So I think that th- th- those moments really, all of those moments in the, the fireside and those-, those brief human moments really did a good job balancing humor with heart in a way that I almost forgot Game of Thrones could do. Mm-hmm. Just because Game of Thrones has gotten this reputation of being so bloodthirsty and so willing to knock off characters. So to see you know Tormund just make a fool of himself the entire time but also see every character be so vulnerable Really spoke to, you know, why we love these characters and how much it's going to suck when some of them inevitably die next week.
0: I like. I saw a lot. There was a lot of memes out there talking about. What uh, um, was about Torment? Like feminist hero, uh Torment. Um, <laughs> what was the other one? Um, all the masculinity, none of the toxicity. How was just Like it was, it was fairly good. But I, as much as I love Torment, and trust me, I, I love him. The big emotional moment was Brienne being knighted. And I, I, I feel like when she denied that she wanted to be a knight and Podrick throws her a look, it was a great moment. And when she's knighted and that reaction she has, to me, it reminds you, and it, I think we're reminded multiple times throughout this episode, just how far Brienne has come and how important she's come to this show. Um, so my question is, because she had such a happy moment, Josh, i will start with you. And this leads me into uh, the lightning round of questions is, do we think Brienne makes it out of the battle of, with the dead? Ooh,
2: this show has such a bad track record of killing the most noble people in it.
0: She's leading, a, she's leading, a, she's leading the left flank. She's just yeah. been knighted her lifelong goal. Oh.
2: I'm going to say that I think she survives solely because I'm tired of seeing Gwendolyn Christie die in Star Wars movies.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. She's too good for us. Uh, Jen, what do you think?
1: Gosh, that is such a tough question. I I feel like she's gonna make it. I don't know. I think that's just my optimism. I love that she was an outcast and a misfit and she has become so beloved by the characters and by the fans. And she's just – she's a truly genuine person and she's one of the only people on this show has, who hasn't who hasn't really hurt anyone. Um, yeah, she has hasn't been... –
0: she, re- she really hasn't been corrupted in any way.
1: Mm-mm. No, and everyone else's quote-unquote values – are always to sort of justify a convenient thing that they would like to do or feel they need to, and she never does that. And I think her value to Sansa is either why she will survive this battle or why it will be devastating uh, if she does perish in the Battle of Winterfell.
0: I think... Man, I can, I can I can almost see her death in my eyes. Like one like Jamie or Torment holding her as she dies. But I but I feel like Jamie is going to I feel like Jamie's speech about not being in his prime anymore mm-hmm. was a yeah. signal that he's going to he's going to take one for the team. Like you've seen this trope before. I hate the word trope. I can never think of it. Like the archetype, I'll say that. The mm-hmm. archetype character of the I'm getting too old for this shit type character who inevitably will sacrifice himself for the younger Mm -hmm. or for the right, for the righteous. And I think that's why he's going to sacrifice that. He's going to fight underneath Brienne. And I think he will sacrifice himself for her.
1: And Uh, maybe he's doing that so he can try to protect her. Who knows? Because I think,
0: I think like you said, he knows that she's, she is one of the few pure Good characters, even the characters we've grown to love on the show. Torment, he was a bad guy. He or or yeah. you know we or he was perceived as a bad guy. Uh, Davos, he was on you know he we he was a revolutionary. He was a quote unquote a bad guy. You know, there's a lot of people who are in the good camp now that were perceived at one point or another as being bad. Yeah, uh, or villains, and now are. You know, good guys um, and women, men and women, good men and women. Right. So, yeah, but, but Brienne has always been like virtuous, you know, sticks to her morals always. So, I like to think that she's saved by the sacrifice of Jamie.
2: Yeah, I could see that. And I'd say that Jamie's a good bet on if we're looking at who's going to die in the next episode. The only person who I would say is probably higher on that list is Theon. I think Theon's a goner.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah he's
1: the ultimate christ character here i would say that's very fair
0: yeah he's he's gonna he's gonna eat it and he's gonna eat it hard and I, that scene where he said i'll defend bran was basically him saying well it's night night forever guys you, know? you later yeah he's yeah. he's he's toast um so we so we get bran we got Brienne, We we think so Jen, I didn't get your opinion on Jamie. Do you think he eats it in the next episode?
1: Yeah, I think he could. I honestly think they sat the writers down and said, "Write this, write a line in this episode for every single character as if you know they're going to die, just to have us asking these very same questions." But I do think I think Jamie's value strategically, emotionally, either with Cersei or with Tyrion or as a fighter, is has been. He's run his course. He's run his course. I don't don't think he has a... I I think this is probably the end for him.
0: Okay. Um, Jen, you love my one line in my review, which I I greatly appreciate. So Gilly shows up. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I know Alicia in our last podcast episode said she thinks Gilly is no more. She's going to die. And that plays into Sam's uh, storyline. Do we think Gilly makes it out? Uh, Jen
1: Oh gosh It's funny because her character It doesn't matter except for Samwell And I think he has had So much loss Pressure probably (laughs) With his track record It probably is not looking too good For her
0: Josh
2: I'm not sure But I am scared for her just because of the fact that they're putting all of the non-combatants in the crypts,
0: yes, yeah, which so, is a
2: terrible idea. So that's yeah. So,
0: yeah. So that was the question. Someone said, "The fact they kept saying the crypts are really safe, we know they're not safe.
1: Where all the dead bodies are that can be reanimated."
0: So Stacy Altamari, who's one of our photographers and Game of Thrones fan, posted this in our um, our Thrones Pool Slack group. Uh, saying that there is a line, I don't know if it's in a book or it's in. Uh, it looks uh, like the book. It looks like the book where Joshua might. Uh, that he had. Uh, John has a dream that all the deceased Starks were brought back to life in the crypt and he was being chased by them or they confronted him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we think that's going to happen, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And we, Alicia, Matt and I were talking about last week how Arya is being chased at one point. Do we think this is Ned or do we think this is Catelyn or is this somebody else? Because my money's on Catelyn.
1: Oh, God.
0: Because it plays into the Lady Stonehands, which is a character from the book that they never really got into. It also plays into the fact that Arya and her mother never kind of had the best relationship to begin with. What do you guys think of that?
2: I So I originally was really leaning towards Ned being the one to come back until I, like an idiot, was reminded that his
0: head was cut off. Can people be brought back to life with their heads cut off? I don't know. And was he executed with Valerian Steel? Uh, and, but if he had a Headless Horseman moment, I kind of wouldn't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but just because of the the whole headlessness thing also, I, I would was he uh, buried in winterfell or was he was he just buried in westeros yeah
1: didn't Littlefinger get his body back i
0: don't know yeah he they were in in the books they, there's a
2: whole storyline of them bringing his body back and i think they they briefly waved that away in maybe oh, a, okay. a throwaway moment um so i yeah, be, just because of the fact that he was beheaded, I, I think Catelyn's a safer bet. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if Lyanna Stark comes back. Um, oh
1: God! Gives
0: Jon a nice family reunion with the mom he never knew. Uh, I was also wondering if Rob would come back too. Mm. Oh, Rob. Oh, Rob. Um, so that brings me to Arya. Does Arya make it out of this episode?
1: Now you have me rethinking the whole sex scene, that maybe she won't, but I have to. She's one of my favorite characters. I'm just going to put that hat on and and stick with it. And if it doesn't, I'll call you crying next weekend, Bill.
0: It's okay. Yeah. I, it wouldn't be the first time I've had someone call me crying. <laughs> um, I I, man, I don't, I've... So there's a theory out there, does she somehow, because of her weapon, kill a white walker and take their face, use the face to kill the Night King? I'm like, that's super interesting. But is
1: it if possible? A plan. I, I feel like we, should we've seen so little from her. I think there, she has a few more episodes in her storyline.
0: I think so, too. You just can't knock yeah.
2: her off that quick. Yeah, and she needs to use that secret weapon for something big. They've set it up too much
0: now. Because it's projectile, right? It seems to be. Yeah, because I think
1: there is a line in it that it is not part of the diagram. I don't think... Or maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be more to it than it just being a projectile.
2: Mm. Hmm. if I kind of think she'll use it to take down the dragon. Oh. Mm. All right. Just because if we're thinking of it as a projectile, what's the thing that's going to be hardest
0: for anyone to hit? well right. well I'm just gonna say what Alicia came up with her theory last time was did we see the dragon at the end of the episode no no we didn't I don't think think so guess where and so the uh, the Night King can also see things who says the Night King is even gonna be there Um. maybe he's on his way to King's Landing where he'll raise his own army of the dead or take some of the dead yeah, with
1: him. Yeah, I have a feeling this, we, there's there's definitely a pump fake here with the army of the dead. I also noticed in the nice diagram.
0: reference, like, like it. What's that? Nice football reference, I love it.
1: The in the um, Actually, pump fake is basketball. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I won't hold that against you. Um, in the diagram of Winterfell, when they showed where they were protecting, they were only protecting one side of it which seemed to me to be a bit short-sighted and odd.
2: Hmm. Yeah. The other thing is that when they showed the lineup of the white walkers, we only saw generic long haired white Walker dudes. We did not see the night King. One of them,
0: I think is Anderson Cooper, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh. yeah, he had a whole thing where he, he was a night King. Oh, it was a night King general. I should say, um, so yeah, we got that. Okay, so now let's go to I'll just try to knock off some quick ones. Uh, let's go to um Grey Worm. To me, Deadsville. He made up he uh, made a plan for the future. Done. Long time. Agreed. Um Sende. I think she stays alive.
2: Uh I could see it going either way. Mm.
1: Me too. Maybe they died together somehow.
0: Yeah. That'd be romantic. <laughs> Hey, we're dead now. Let's go to that beach together. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're White Walkers now. Um, Jorah, I think I think he stays alive.
1: They they went to all that effort to bring him back,
0: and he's got the the Valerian steel too.
1: I yeah, he just received that sword. Although the fact that he has that sword, who knows?
0: I think he does die. I think he does die, but I think he dies later. Like I think he'll die at the final battle with Daenerys because he's been another one who's been like a day one guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I love Jorah
2: and I feel like so much of his arc in this series has been about redemption, and I think he's going to die redemptively. And I think we already saw how he's going to do it. He's going to protect a uh, little Mormont
0: that's right because she's she's foolishly is going to be in it so that was my next one Lyanna Mormont I I think Jorah is going to save her
1: we can stick on Jorah for one second oh sorry sorry Daenerys loves him and he loves her and he does have some noble blood in him it's possible he sticks around for quite a while and somehow that works out since clearly Jon's not going to be a long term thing I'll just throw that as a possibility
0: Mm, I see that so what about little Liana Mormont, voice of my friend's show Hilda on Netflix, multi Emmy nominated cartoon series?
1: I have Liana Mormont turning into a White Walker in my Deadpool. God, you um, are
0: ruthless and cold, man. I know,
1: ruthless. I love her character dearly. I have a feeling she's gonna be on the other side by the end of the next episode. Oh,
0: that would oh. be devast- that would be awesome and devastating.
1: Only yeah. on Game of Thrones would I even venture to guess that a child would become a White Walker.
0: Oh, well, we already kinda of saw it. Yeah. I mean if she becomes a White Walker, everyone's screwed. She's got, you know, the most games of <laughs> anyone. That's that side that side eye will kill people alone. Mm-hmm. Um so uh how about Sam giving up the family sword? That was uh that could be a total red herring, but at the same time, like man, he could eat it. I think Sam
2: has to survive just for the sake of being that kind of uh, like in Lord of the Rings, you have Bilbo and Frodo and, and that Sam writing down everything that happened. Sam's such a bookworm. I, I feel like he has to survive to write everything down. Mm. Okay.
1: Perhaps I think that that's, that's a really good point. I kind of had him not being so lucky in the next episode simply because he is one of the sources of information and truth about John and it would just serve as a great way of further calling into question the reality of his heritage. It would be a little convenient if he disappeared.
0: It would be. Well, I'm going to tie these two guys together since they're always tied together. Uh, Barrack and the Hound, which is a great mm. R&B name.
1: That's great. I The Hound's character arc has been one of my absolute favorites. He has become, you know, we see in season seven, he buries the family that had died in their house. He, he really has grown into having a conscience, not only a heart, but a conscience. And so I don't know. Maybe, Josh, you'd be great at guessing how he would die if he were to die. But I would personally really like to see him stick around
2: Click Bowl, man and that's what I was gonna say I think he has to survive this just for the sake of the Kligainbowl because if it doesn't happen fans are gonna riot
0: <laughs> I, and that is that, that is one of the big unresolved story arcs since day one
1: mm-hmm. and he does say to him when they met in the dragon pit he said you know who's coming for you. You always have. Does anyone know who he was referring to?
0: I was thinking he was just referring to himself. That's a question we asked on our podcast that time. Okay. I think, I think yeah. it's just him. He's like, you know, All right. I'm coming and health's coming with me type deal. Um, unless, they're, you know, <laughs> their dad's coming around to, for reckoning. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. but,
1: <laughs> uh, well, uh,
0: could it be? He could. Uh, okay, so let's go into the, uh, the fire. I, I think... I think it's safe to say Sansa is good. I don't think she's gonna I don't think she's going to get touched. Agreed.
1: Yeah, if she dies,
0: you're 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 definitely crying on the phone to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about? Uh, so let's go to the 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 chamber. So we already talked about Jamie. We already talked about Brienne. Well, uh, Podrick. Mm. survive so he can release his mixtape. Oh, <laughs> God, that's going to be a hot mixtape.
1: You wiki wicky. wicky.
0: Uh, he could get the he can get the guys from Mastodon who often <laughs> guest on the uh, guest in the series to to drop it with him. Um, I think he I think he I think he makes it out. Yeah, I see that. I
1: think if fewer people die next episode than we think, he will be one of them. He'll be an easy throwaway. But if a lot of people die, he will survive.
0: Yeah. Uh, the one that uh the two that really the really ones i don't want to die sir davos he mentioned he didn't have a lot of combat experience multiple times
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think he has skirted death more times than most characters it's probably his turn
0: yeah i, I definitely agree oh i'd be so sad but i dude, it's... i would be so sad
2: sorry guys but yeah, I he like you said, Jen, he's he's escaped death way too many times. And at this point, the, I, the role he's feeling right now is really just being that kind of like wonderful uncle that everyone loves. He so I, I don't know how long he can survive like that.
1: Yeah, he's a good calming force.
0: Uh, uh, and the one that the the one that really hurts, uh Yeah.
1: Another man who has avoided death repeatedly.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's come really, really close Mm -hmm. multiple times. I'm going to, I'm just going to be a goddamn optimist. I think he's going to make it out because I think if there's more battles to be had, you need at least one tank in there. And I think, oh yeah, I would,
1: they're going to, I would, I would hope they would keep him in the watchability of him in these types of episodes.
2: Yeah, I think he has to survive solely because he's the only Wildling left whose name we really know, except for Gilly. And I mean, we don't know how many Wildlings are left, but they're going to need a leader after all this is done. And Tormund's really the only one suitable for the job. So I think he's got to survive to lead the group.
1: And
0: then we come. To- what about
1: Tyrion? did we do Tyrion?
0: No, not yet. Yeah, I, I have, oh. I have, I have four left, and Tyrion yeah. was my next one. And mm, uh, <sighs> he, has to, he has to survive to redeem himself.
2: He's, he's screwed up too many times over the last two seasons that he's got to prove himself to Daenerys.
0: Yeah. I'll go with that.
1: I'm going to be the contrarian and say, you know, he's in the crypt. The crypt is not a safe place to be. Hopefully he has a redeeming moment, but he, I don't he, know that
0: he's. He's skirted he's scar- death a lot, too. Mm hmm. All right. I think
1: the fact that he survived the Battle of Blackwater they uh, that might have been his free get out of jail free card.
0: Hmm. Uh, what about uh, what about Bran? Uh, I want him to die. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone kinda does. I think that's a universal truth. But yeah. I think For he- as
1: as they aren't writing dialogue, aren't they writing him a bit odd, even though he's supposed to be odd?
0: I feel like he's gonna have. I don't think he's gonna die because I think there he's gonna have this grand moment that we have not had yet. Mm-hmm. And because, like you said, like if he dies, like there's history is gone with him.
1: So mm, that's very true.
0: Unless Sam is his replacement,
1: or because I, I mean, anyone else can become the Three Eyed Raven theoretically.
0: Well, if, if anyone's gonna
2: be his replacement, it has to be Tyrion. Because didn't they just have that long conversation about how it happened?
1: which we didn't see oh, once again oh shit yeah that's right they never showed any of that wow and then and started getting everyone drunk
0: yeah oh yeah which
1: I also found odd I think somehow that's going to be relevant
0: so maybe he does
1: die then perhaps maybe. and he I think with I've said at the beginning of at the end of episode one I said the most fundamental thing they could change would be if Brand were to die because he has all this information all this truth he can see the Night King. Yeah, because we don't – of all the characters we've talked about, we've talked about the emotional
0: characters that would mean all that. But we haven't had a major like, oh, shit, this is going to change everything character.
1: Right. And that's the thing. I think there is another level of life, death, White Walker existence that we don't know about yet that will come into play here. I feel like there's a – there's. it's not quite as binary. I think there's some other realm – that is going to become. They're going to throw into the mix um, to, to make this even more complicated. That takes us into the prequel.
0: Um, it'll uh, and then we have to go with Daenerys. She was heading off on the dragon. I'm assuming she's going to live. I mean, she'll be till the end. I would, I would imagine. Yeah, I'd agree.
1: Said every Game of Thrones fan 15 times prior to this. But she's
0: like the sh- yeah, that's true. But I mean, she's the show. Like I feel like she'll be at the end. She might not make it out of the end, but she'll be at the end. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe
2: I, I, well, too much is, is riding on that final battle between her and Cersei. Because now that we know that the battle of the living versus the dead is now, that really suggests that, and, and Bill, this is something you talked about when we podcasted two years ago, was that, um, you know, it's, it's two parts. One is, you know, the battle for, um, you know the world and then one is the battle for the throne and so we, I only see the battle of the throne happening if Daenerys is still alive
1: um yeah that's very fair and this may not answer the question of whether or not she'll survive but I think it's important that Jon is a Targaryen and can also operate these dragons that makes her one sort of game theory advantage nuclear option that she has it kind of takes it away from her and so yeah. I think she were to pass there is he still has that capability and and it could again i just always am expecting a major mix-up and the dragons play into that with john
0: yeah and then john so 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 really like these two are kind of like dependent on each other like john and daenerys like do we think both can make it out do we think you know so what do we think, John? What's going to happen with John? To me, I don't think he dies. I think he's going to make it to... I think I had him dying in the last episode. Mm. In the fi- If there's a final confrontation with the Night King, he's going to kill the Night King, but he also dies. That's my theory.
1: Uh, I've got a couple of views. I think he drove so much of the plot... And the that was really the headline for so many seasons and the women have eclipsed him in so many ways. Oh, well, absolutely. And yeah. the focus on them. But I also really would love to see at least a few episodes of the John Daenerys dynamic now that they know they've been in their nephew and their aunt. That
0: would be a really yeah, not like killing one of them off next episode would be kind of like all right, well we just we just dropped that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's once again that's another
2: reason why I feel like they both have survived, just because there's too much potential there for it to just be left if one of them dies next episode. And there's as much as I see, do see
0: John doing a sacrifice
2: play at some point.
0: The only right. other character I don't think we hit was Varys, who's kind of been inconsequential this year.
2: Yeah, but
0: didn't Melisandre have a prediction that they would both die in Westeros? Maybe. And I I don't know. Is she she done? She's done with the series or she's still in it. She's She's still alive.
1: She was exiled to somewhere. By Daenerys.
0: I wonder if they have to go get her.
1: I think she shows up at some point for sure. She's going to come back.
0: Yeah. You can't just be like, well, you're gone. And Dario has got to come back. I would assume as well, too. Right. He could be with the Golden Company. Maybe. True. Oh, that's true. But now he's not part of the Golden Cup. He's the second son's. Yeah, but maybe he infiltrated them or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, they I mean, that's why they didn't get the elephants. Ah, those elephants, man. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs>
1: I think this is one of my big theories for how Well, this that's this what is we're going on to like next like part
0: them. is what's our what's our what's the theories we have for this for the for the yeah. series. Go for it, man.
1: I think the elephants are actually relevant. I don't think that was a throwaway comment. I think very little in this show is. Mm -hmm. And I have another theory. I think water is going to be more important to defeating the White Walkers than they have let on. You know, when John does his PowerPoint presentation for everyone, he always talks about dragonglass, Valerian steel, and fire. And then in the last one, someone or only Cersei has said, "Can they swim?" And he says no, but he doesn't include that in the list of things that hold them back or can affect them. And then also we also know that when Sir Davos is giving the soup to that little girl, the song that's playing behind her is "It's Always Summer Under the Sea." And if you listen to the lyrics about that. It talks about being underwater. And then, of course, being the absolute nerd I am, I looked it up and elephants are excellent swimmers. So put all this together. I cannot give you a very specific picture, but I have a feeling water is going to have to play a role here. And that's why they've kind of not mentioned it recently. So we forget about it, but we know that it's there.
0: Wow, yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting oh, that's I, awesome. And I man.
1: sound like I've got um, red string all over my walls with newspaper clippings. I promise I don't. If you did,
0: I want that photo, and that's the cover <laughs> of this podcast. I mean, yeah. I want it, I want that to be real. <laughs> that was great. Right? A theorizing. I'm,
1: I'm not right. Like I feel like the water thing. They kind of. That's how they survived the battle with the, the army of the dead. That's how they got out. And yet, it has not been brought up that much since.
0: That's true. Uh, Alicia thinks that she was she threw this out there that the Night King is going to make turn Cersei into the Night Queen. Um, mm. What do we think of the possibilities of that, and that the Army of the Dead, the new Army of the Dead, will be the gold, the Dead Golden Company, and <laughs> the dead, um, the risen dead of Westeros of King's Landing. I was called Westeros, King's Landing.
2: That's a fun theory. I, 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 I don't know if I buy it, but I think it's a fun one for sure.
0: Because her theory is that the, uh, the Night King, since he's been a day one villain, or the, the dead have been a day one villain, that they're not going to just go out mid-season, that it'll be tied intrinsically tied into the end of the series.
2: Mm.
0: That would be a good way of condensing everything.
1: What's that,
2: Josh? Well, I, I I think that'd be a good way of just like kind of condensing everything because right now they are very uh, separate storylines, so mm-hmm. that would be a way of combining them. But
0: yeah, and, uh, and in, the, in the finale of season seven, she's like, "Well, they're not coming here," which is always like Jen, like I said, there's no throwaway lines, so that's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're coming there.
1: If you want to hear some of my really deeper, darker conspiracy theories, do it. I don't think that Cersei is I think there's
0: it well, you might want to just say that again. You got your you got a little garbled up there.
1: I'm so sorry. Can you guys hear me?
0: Yep, you're good.
1: So my theory with Cersei, I actually have a deeper theory. I think when they brought the the White Walker the, to her to show to her, she was briefly afraid, and then she had a look in her eyes of wanting that and seeing that as something she could use to her advantage. So I have a feeling there will be something that happens that we aren't expecting. Whether I don't know if she'll become the Night Queen, if that's a thing, or what it will be, but I just i, I think she, she's got a bigger plan, and, and I do think she is taking into account the White Walkers, even though she pretends she's not. She
0: will yeah. never, she'll, ne- she'll be dead, but she'll never be dead. She'll have eternal exactly. life in theory.
2: Yeah, and then she could bring all her, her kids back. Ooh.
0: that's true actually
1: that's a really good point that's
0: very fucked up too <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean Cersei excels at that so. oh yes. yes she does yeah. you're correct
1: point of that, that's for sure and her soul and her heart are already dead so she may as well be a, a white walker anyway ooh sick burn <laughs> mm.
0: it's true though oh man you said you had one other one so I want to hear if you have any more of these deep dark oh, theories I
1: have I, I've, I've so many I can't remember which one I was thinking of
0: All right, well hey man, if you think about it, uh let me know. So Josh, what are some of your um what are some of your end game theories? Uh oh wow, how how timely that was. Um the word end game. Uh what are you some of your over, you know, big picture uh theories for the uh for the series? I really don't know. I feel like my first of all
2: i can't i cannot match jen's theorizing that was that was impressive to, to hear <laughs> and I, I feel like my my prediction skills have kind of run out after uh the the march madness tournament we had so i don't know if i'm equipped to do that again uh all i will say is that i think there's more to 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 john to daenerys just given that this is the book of ice and fire so or the song of ice and fire That. There's, there's got to be something more there, and I think that's, that's, that's got to play out somehow. Other than that, I, I want to go in with as much of a, you know, surprise as possible. So I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go in thinking anything too strictly and find out that wow, I was way out of bounds on that.
0: I, uh, some of my theories, I think, I think we're going to see a whole kind of, I think we're gonna see some returns. Not as the dead, but I think the dream sequences of characters of days past. Um, One of them being called Drogo, because you don't throw Jason Momoa into the teasers and uh, publicity for the last season of the show for no reason.
1: They Uh, did. Oh yeah, right
0: oh yeah, but I feel like he's going to come back in a dream or he's going to... Be, we'll see him before this series is over because on Instagram they had this whole Game of Thrones thing and he was one of the people in it, in street clothes. Like, it was the cast in street clothes, basically. Uh, doing something with Game of Thrones. I can't remember what the hell it was, but it was like it was John, it was, it, was, it was Sophie Turner, and it was Jason Momoa. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting that he would be in this even though he's been out of it since, what, Season one, yeah. So I feel like we're gonna see Kyle Drogo in a dream sequence come back. Would it if Ned Stark doesn't come back as the headless horseman? Like, I could definitely see a callback to Sean Bean coming back, maybe Rob, like, I like kind of like almost like a return of the Jedi type deal. Um, but I feel like we're gonna see a few more, a few flashbacks to some of our favorite characters who've been long deceased. I don't think we're going to see Renly Baratheon or what well, guys like that. But um, he's too busy killing Netflix series. Um, so thank you for the chuckle. Uh, I, I do I do think, uh, Jen, your theory just blew my mind. So I'm just like, I, I would love to have seen that the reason she's not, she didn't send her army north wasn't beca- just because she wanted to pick the bones. Because she knows the dead would march too king's right. landing no matter what there's something more there
1: Something I, there,
0: and i do think that what we saw there is one other thing i think we're going to see that the the dragon killer device that uh kyburn was working on last season is going to be put into play because if you watch the intro of that you see that device has been built oh. like watch like the opening credits like the like everything moving around, where well, they have the, the cast names. like That scene with the big dragon skull, you see that bow and arrow, that huge crossbow, for lack of a better word, has been developed and is emplo- being employed. So I definitely see that being used, whether it's on the ice dragon or whether it's on a real dragon. I think that's going to come into play. I think we did see it a little bit in that one scene with Braun and jamie but i think this is the big weapon that i think they're going to be using i think that's going to come into play and i don't know what the hell the bronze storyline is going to be but i guess that's i I think we're not going to find that uh, that storyline is not going to come to fruition i think until episode four probably Mm. so on that note that is our podcast for episode two um which, by the way, if you looked up the re- – if I looked up, they did have an episode title for the longest time, but it is The Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, this is our review. So, guys, where can people find you on social media? Jen, where can people – I am
1: f- at editorial page on Twitter.
0: That's like editorial but with a V.
1: With a V. That's correct.
0: Uh, okay, cool. And, of course, Jen writes and just has done some photography for Pop Break, so check that out. And, Josh, where can people find you online? Everyone can find me at Josh
2: Cerniecki on the Twitter and um, see if I have any op-eds coming up on Pop Break. Um, recently wrote one that, Bill, you've been so gracious, gracious I can't talk anymore. Saying, I'm a, Graceful.
0: I'm a, I'm a Graceful? gracious. <laughs> <laughs>
2: gracious is a great word. Gracious um, to, to call it out, the, the op-ed I wrote on why we watch Game of Thrones. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe after I see Endgame this week, and I'll think of something else to write.
0: Excellent. Of course, uh, if you want to just uh, read my thoughts on wrestling, I am at BodkinWrites on Twitter because I don't really tweet too much about other stuff. Um, But what I would love for all of you to do after being here for probably close to an hour and a half, is check out thepopbreak.com. We have uh, great content every single day from an amazing array of writers and photographers. Uh, Follow us on social media. We are at popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook. We are at thepopbreak on the Instagram. Uh, Search popbreak on YouTube and you'll find interviews with the likes of... Unfortunately, the late great Luke Perry and uh, Oscar-winning actor Rami Malek. Uh, we are also on SoundCloud and iTunes, so look for the Breakcast, which is the overarching podcast entity from the Pop Break. So you'll find stuff like the House Pop Break. You'll see and the winner still is our oscar retrospective series um uh, decade discussions where it's our 10 year anniversary podcast and plus reviews of movies and tv shows and everything on there uh so yeah go f- uh rate review and subscribe on itunes to soundcloud we'd absolutely love for you to do that so jen nanai and Josh zarnecki this is bill bodkin saying thank you for joining us for the second episode of the house pop break and we will see you next week